on. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? It is your boy Diego, DJ, and Chris Jones signing up for episode four of season two. Yellow Card Podcast reporting live. It is Monday, November 14th, days before the greatest tournament and the biggest tournament sports-wise in the world. The World Cup. That's right. The Qatar World Cup coming up March this Madness. weekend. Nope. Wrong sport. Sorry. March Madness, please. That's a pimple in their ass. Come on. Grow up. Um, biggest sporting event tournament of the whole entire um year happening this year in Qatar. Controversial place, as we all agree. We know Seb Blatter, the uh, president and owner of FIFA, has had his regrets about rewarding Qatar with with this big of a tournament. But seems like Qatar is trying to do things right, trying to do whatever it takes to to cooperate a little bit. So. With that, with that said, um, we'll be jumping into World Cup content very soon. Uh, first and foremost, we'll just uh, we'll just do our regular protocol. We'll update the records how we how we're looking, just for uh, for reminder purposes. Remember, Champions League, Europa League. That's all until and that's all on hold until after the World Cup ends. Um, after the World Cup ends, all those tournaments will go back on and and live, and we'll flip the switch. Uh, we'll find out what the January transfer window will look like after the World Cup as well. And um, who knows? We'll see if maybe some people are still with some clubs and not. But um, we had the last set of matches for the Premier League happen this past week where uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition over to Jones to give us how we, how we went and what those records look like today. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, first time. Caller, long-time listener. No, sorry. Again, wrong wrong thing. My fault. Um, so to go back on last week in the Premier League, I went four and six, and you went five and five. Okay. All right. So you're sitting at 79 and 65. I'm 69 and 75. Uh, and then shout out to us for the two perfects each. Uh, I called Newcastle winning a grind game, one nothing. You called the demise of Chelsea, so that's a double win for the boys. Uh, I also called Arsenal winning two to nothing over Wolves. Like I said, it was at Wolves. If it wasn't at Wolves. I was going five nothing Arsenal. Good feeling for us there. Uh, big shout out to you for the Liverpool score. I was very close. Uh, three one exactly. Didn't want to give Southampton the credit, but they did it. And then obviously, it funny you got both of our scores for our games this week. You got Liverpool right, and you got United right two to one uh, with the win. So real quick before we dive into the what happened last week in the Premier League, let's just why don't we go over the table real quick? Yeah, let's go over the table real quick, and we also got some uh, some major headlines that we got covered. Yeah, no, that we'll get into that in, in a little bit. That's a major headline we got to cover. And, but do you want to start from? Have to go on. Do you want to start from bottom to top, or do you want to go top to bottom? Yeah, let's start, let's start from bottom to top. Uh, I know the bottom has changed a little bit since we last gave an update, so let's give an update to the uh, to the listeners, which, by the way, thank you all for tuning in and listening. We saw you guys come in major time again back on the TikTok channel. We posted a few TikToks, and you guys have been watching, so thank you again. We really appreciate you guys. We got a couple, a couple more incoming this week, so stay tuned. Let's do it. All right, but uh, so let's start off in the relegation zone. Uh, at twenty, we have Wolverhampton at two four nine. 
We have Southampton at 19 at 339. Nottingham Force at 18 at 34 and 8. Uh, 17 to 14. We have Everton at 3, 5, and 7. We have West Ham at 4, 2, and 9 at 16th. 15th, it's Leeds at 4, 3, and 7. Bournemouth, 14th at 4, 4, and 7. Um, all of those within three points of one another. So anything can happen still early on in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, in the mid, the middle of the table, we like to call this here. We have Leicester City at 13th, sitting at 5, 2, and 8. But surprisingly, a zero goal differential. They've scored 25 goals and have given up 25 as well. Well, Actually, before before we even proceed on to the next person standing on top of Leicester, we got to give them some credit because at the beginning of the season, they were not hot at all. They were they were basically, what, two and eight? And it's been up to the past five, uh, they've won five four games out, where, they, where they've, they've won put four it together. Out of their last, they won four out of their last five. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, uh, it's been a major... Turnaround for Brendan Rodgers and, and the Foxes. So kudos to them because they're they've gone, you know, they've gone um by the wayside on, on the Premier League and they're 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 trying to hang on to whatever they got going on. So fun fact, they've scored the sixth most goals in the Premier League. Which is crazy. Yep. Uh so number twelve, we have Aston Villa at five, three, and seven. Uh eleventh is Crystal Palace at five, four, and five. Tenth is Brentford at four, seven, and four. And then we go up into the tier above. Uh, ninth is Fulham, five, four, and six. Eighth is Chelsea at six, three, and five. Seventh is, quite frankly, it's also Brighton at six, three, and five. They're ahead of them based off goal differential. Uh, sixth is Liverpool at six, four, and four. Fifth is Manchester United at eight, two, and four. With surprisingly a zero goal differential, they've scored mm-hmm. twenty and given up twenty. Uh, and then top four, we have Tottenham at nine, two, and four. Newcastle eight six and one, Manchester City ten two and two, and then Arsenal twelve one and one. Mm-hmm. Very very crazy to see here. Uh, Newcastle and Arsenal are tied for first in fewest goals allowed. They've only allowed eleven. Uh, Newcastle's done it in fifteen. Arsenal's done it in fourteen. Um, fun fact: ready for this? They're tied for fifth in fewest goals but they're in the bottom half of the table because they can't score. That's Everton and West Ham. Both have allowed 17 goals tied with Chelsea and Liverpool for fourth or fifth, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. do of that what you will as well. What are we thinking so far, you know, about I'd say not halfway through, but like the first quarter of the season? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say, this first quarter of the season has been very interesting. Um, number one, we kind of expected Arsenal to finally make a turnaround, and it was about time for them to make a turnaround. It's been about five years or so, which is the average median for some of these major clubs to turn it around and and start a new age um, for themselves. It's taken about five six years for Arsenal, uh, whereas in, uh, Arsene Wenger went out and it took. Two different managers to turn it around. Um, a lot of transfer windows for Arsenal to be a major player on. A lot of money for them to be a, a major player, and the results are 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 there. Twelve one and one, a phenomenal record for them to start with. Um, I think the last time they started that best of a record was probably Arsene Wenger's best season um, as an Arsenal head coach of um, you know of this club. So twelve one and one. Congratulations to all Arsenal fans and. Uh, you must be feeling very proud. Continue to believe in uh, 
Mikel Arteta, uh, who had to also make some very harsh decisions uh, in order to get this club in the right direction. So it's not easy, but as long as the plan is there and, and it's believed to be the plan to move forward with, um, you leave it to the manager to be able to trust that. Following up is Manchester City. We know how great a, a club that is, a big club as well. Um, 12, 10, 2 and 2. Kind of, uh, kind of uncharted waters for them. Um, they're not used to sitting behind a, a team where they're trailing five points behind them um, and seem to be unstoppable at this point. So uncharted chapters for them. But, uh, you know, you look at the three, four, and fifth position here, and it's close. It's really close, and it's a lot closer than what it's been in years past. Um, it's only a four-point difference. The third and fourth place could switch literally every week. Um, Newcastle really writing a, a phenomenal chapter for themselves, returning to the glory days that they they used to have um, back when I was growing up. I mean, I remember being 12, 13, and Newcastle always being one of the major clubs in the Premier League. Um, and then um, shout out to Liverpool as well. Major turnaround, a, a struggle at the beginning of the season, but now sitting six at six, one, four. It's not a record to be proud on, uh, um, especially as you're a Liverpool fan, but taking into a uh, into accountability the amount of injuries you guys are dealing with, the little money you have working with for the summer transfer window, uh, January transfer window needing to be a major one for you guys in, a, in order to be able to be maybe top five this season. Um, you know, it's it's a lot to undertake, and club continuously being under the radar by fans who do not believe in him because of a crappy season that he's having. It's just, it's a lot to undertake for, for a club like Liverpool. So congratulations to you guys who said in the six, four and four. Um, Brighton, Chelsea, we kind of called this to begin with as soon as Thomas Tuchel left. Uh, we knew, we've seen it happen for Brighton when they start very successful at the, at the first part of the season. And then, did Cliff die from there? Um, it's happening now with Chelsea, the Grand Potter effect. Uh, it worked out well at the beginning, but now now they're starting to realize they need they need to make some transfers happen. Um, the identity is not there. They need to find a new identity, um, and the plan the plan moving forward needs to be transparent. And right now, it's just not not there fully. Um, but then you look at teams like Fulham and Brentford that we didn't expect for them. To look all that sharp this season and uh Fulham ninth in the table. That's the best they've been in the past five years, whenever they've been able to be promoted back to the uh to the EPL. So um that's my top ten chum uh you know summary. Everything else is self-explanatory. There's really not a lot of difference from eleven to last place. Um it, it, any of these teams could relegate at this point. Any of those teams from eleven to twentieth. Um, so exciting Premier League season, but a lot of a lot can happen at the at the second half of the season. Yeah, and I think some of these teams that are down closer to the relegation zone need to realize that all you really need to do is have a nice little hot streak here and you're right back in contention. Yep. yep. Or, you know, if you're a team that's fighting to stay out of the relegation zone and you start to get cold, that's a recipe uh of disaster waiting to happen there. So a lot of things to put into place here, but I do agree with you here. But, I mean, let's be honest here. You and I both agreed that Arsenal would be top four. Did we think that they would be this good? Really? 12-1-1, 14 games in? 
No, no, I don't think anybody could have predicted that Arsenal would be sitting top of the league at this at this time and age, especially before the World Cup. I do think though that their biggest nightmare this season is gonna be after the World Cup. Gabriel Martinelli will be heavily involved for for Brazil. Um, some of the other players will be heavily involved as well for their for their respective nations. Bukayo Saka will be involved for England. Uh, Gabriel Jesus will be involved for for Brazil. So, if those players can manage to stay without injury and healthy, it's a good turnaround for Arsenal. They can continue to be in their in their chemistry and their their tempo that they got going on. Yeah, if I just... the World Cup brings some bang up, it's it, it it could it could spell disaster for Arsenal. No, I agree, hundred percent. I think uh, a ton of these teams this season is relying here. I think realistically for a Liverpool perspective, not having Mo Salah in the World Cup this year is is very beneficial for us down the stretch. Blessing. Yep. <clears throat> Especially with all the injuries that are that are going down right now. I mean you can't mm-hmm. really trust it. I think for a Liverpool perspective, I think Darren Nunes has been a very good signing for us. He's shown very well and he's done very much so what Gabriel Jesus has done for Arsenal just in fewer games. So it's one of those things you have to also take into account. Um, now, my next question here is, out of these three teams that are sitting in the top ten, which do you think will be the first to fall out? Newcastle, Fulham, Brentford. My gut feeling tells me Brentford. Um. Not a lot to stabilize Brentford right now. And if they're not active in the January transfer window, that's a team that could easily fall down to 15th place. Easily. Um, Right behind that is Fulham. The good thing about them, though, is that they don't have as many pieces that will immediately be the main to go to people for 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 their respective nations. Maybe Daniel James for Wol- for 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 Wales, but other than that, there's really not a heck of a lot out of Fulham that would be called up on on first team, you know, to their respective nations after the World Cup. Other than that, I I don't know. I don't think Brighton will fall down that quickly just yet, um, and I don't see Newcastle falling out that quickly either. Yeah, I think. The big one for me, it's going to be Brentford, I think. Um, they've played really well. They get, they're getting all these points out of these draws, but I think realistically when we think about it, right, I think at the end of this, Fulham, I think I think both them and Fulham fall out. Don't get me wrong here, but I think at the end of this, when we're, we're sitting here at the end of the day, I think the first one to do it is going to be, is going to be Brentford. I don't think their defense can hang – with some of these teams, and I was looking at, you know, schedules and stuff like that. I think out of the three of them, I think that they have the tougher draw mm-hmm. for uh, the next few games after the after the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. I agree. Um, any other last-minute thoughts? For Premier League, I mean, much more content to come. Just make sure that you are following 
us on it because we have a bunch of stuff that will be in the biz soon, I should say. Yes, sir. I agree. I agree. Uh, moving on, what do we want to move on to? Do we want to let's, let's get into the headlines? Quick... Let's get into yeah. the headlines. Yeah, I think we need to get into the headlines because everybody right now in the sports world is talking about it, regardless of how big a how big a channel they are or how big a sports content author or editor they are. Everybody's talking about it. Um, over the weekend, we heard of the release of a so-called explosive interview done by Cristiano Ronaldo with worldwide known journalist Piers Morgan, very controversial journalist, as we should say. We seems like 80% of the world has their thoughts on Piers Morgan and they just don't trust him as a person. Um for obvious reasons. But besides that, um it it, it it's interesting to see what came out of this interview. Um Heard Jamie Carragher, a legend for Liverpool, speak about it earlier today. He said that the comments were bizarre and uncalled for, severely uncalled for, and that if anybody in Liverpool was to do that, they would be let go of the of the of the club immediately. Wouldn't even be thinking about it twice. Uh, we've heard other club legends as well: Rio Ferdinand, Wayne Rooney, Gary Neville, Roy Keane, uh, seem to be very flabbergasted by, by the comments made by Cristiano Ronaldo on this interview. And if you haven't heard it, um, it's 90 minutes long. It's not like it was a four-minute interview, a 15-minute interview, or maybe even a 30-minute interview. It was 90 minutes and a lot of a lot of content that is very damning to the so-called club that Cristiano Ronaldo loved. Um, I'm interested to to see what your thoughts are, because I have several thoughts on this, but I want to hear it from a different perspective. Um, I know you are a Liverpool fan, and you tend to be very transparent on this. I know you're you're also a big Cristiano Ronaldo fan, much like I am. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering how you're feeling about it, because uh, for me as a as a fan of the player, I feel betrayed because that's not his legacy. Um, but as a fan of my team. I feel highly disrespected. So I don't know. I don't know what what you think. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think two of the biggest takeaways that I've seen from it. Um, obviously, the first one being about the Glazer family. I think you and I can both agree that um, the issues within the Glazer family and the Manchester United community definitely isn't great. So for that to come out as well, that's I think that's a big step for me. Um, and I just think you know his comments. I just feel like. You know, it's Pierce Morgan. Obviously, he's going to try and rile him up and get him going. Mm-hmm. But to me, it just it stinks to see a guy that came back to this club that he really became famous at and to smear the ownership, to smear everything the way that he did. I mean, it's just a distraction that this team really realistically do- doesn't need. So I hope moving forward that they decide that they're going to go the other way. Maybe, you know, let him walk via the transfer window. But realistically speaking, the way that he's talking right now, who's going to want this guy on their on their football team? And it stinks because he is one of the greatest players of our generation. But you would never see Messi 
do a 90-minute interview like that, bashing Barcelona owners or anything like that. So I think that's where Messi has a little bit more class. However, I don't know. It's just it's it's rubbing me the wrong way a little bit, but it probably not as much as it is for you. I know you wanted to dive deep into this discussion, but I think for a United standpoint, it's uh it's a distraction and in order to better this team, you need to get rid of the distraction. Yeah, I have I have several things on, on this interview. I uh I listened to about 45 minutes of it and I had enough. I couldn't take the rest of the other 45 minutes. Um, I'm sure I'll listen to the rest of the next 45 minutes tomorrow after this recording and, and educate myself more on the manner. But in the first 45 minutes that I heard, I heard enough to understand in a way the mindset that this guy is running in. And it almost seems as a mindset of revenge and anger rather than realizing where the mistakes have happened, um, where the accountability needs to take place, and also the type of professional that he is and that he should be putting himself up in rather than bring himself down to levels that are unlike of his branding. Um, I agree with you. The comments that he made about the ownership of the club and and, and the way that the club seems to be very close-minded led are correct. I I agree with that. I I you know I would say ninety nine point nine percent of Manchester United fans who agree with the Glazer comments would say the same exact thing. Um, we know that the Glazer family after they took over the the club, which happened to be at the same exact time that Cristiano Ronaldo was leaving the club when he was twenty. Um, you know they kind of just let it die down. They didn't take care of the training facilities. They didn't update the. Uh, the gym equipment, they didn't update any other technology. The cafeteria stuff is all still the same. I mean, he even mentions that the cooks are still the same people. So I understand that and, and that aspect in terms of taking care of the players and their health and safety concerns. Yeah, the Glazers have, have done them incredibly wrong. That's not a manager's call, though. The manager can only do so much and the manager can only pitch so much of his ideas until the club decides to invest in the manager themselves. We've seen managers of high caliber fail at this club. Louis Van Hal, Jose Mourinho. Um, I mean, Jose, Jose said it himself, the best managerial job he's done in his whole career was bringing Manchester United to second place. And it's not because of the players that he had. Because it's because of how much behind the scenes is going on at Manchester United that nobody knows. Slatan Ibrahimovic, upon his time at, at at Manchester United, one of, one of the most prolific players there are in the world, himself said it. You look at Manchester United from the outside in, and you say that's a gigantic club. That that the opportunity is huge. You should not pass on it. But once you're in it, you realize that. Is not always greener on the opposite side of things. Um, now to turn it on to what he says about Manchester United have betrayed him and have not used him to the plan that they pitched that they will play him. Let's be honest here for a second. Ronaldo's biggest mistake was to leave Real Madrid. The minute that he left Real Madrid. His career went downhill. He went to Juventus, where Juventus was at the floating 
team at the time is still deploying. They still need to figure out what they need to do. They still don't have the next generation that could solidify Juventus to the team level that they once were. Um, then after that, he went to he came to a Manchester United team that is on the same exact boat as Juventus. And he should know that. If you are a football professional and you follow the so-called beloved team of your life, do you know that Manchester United have been in shambles? That's as much of a shame on you as it is as a shame on the club. It's also a shame on the on, on your manager. On your manager to work an ironclad deal with Manchester United and say, hey, Cristiano, you're going to Manchester United. You're retiring to, Christi- to, to Manchester United. At a time that it, it, it didn't make sense for him to be back on the team. If you if Ronaldo had brought back the type of identity and DNA that Manchester United had at the time when he was 20 years old to this current Manchester United team and have brought that front and center, I would have said, okay, like we we depend on Ronaldo because that's the identity we need. But we don't depend on Ronaldo at this time right now. We there was nothing to rely on this guy on for. Did we need his goals last year? Yeah, Anthony Marshall was completely out for the year due to injuries. Paul Pogba was out the whole entire year due to injuries. We needed we needed somebody that was creative in the midfield and up front. The only person that was creative in the midfield and up front and that was in shape was Bruno Fernandes. Guy can't do it all by himself. Marcus Rashford was nowhere near uh, the shape that he is this year. Jaden Sancho was just adjusted to the Premier League. Everyone else was just trying to stay afloat. Yeah, you need a Cristiano Ronaldo last year. And then for you to go on and criticize somebody that put you in your place and it still has you sour to this day, dude, you are just crying wolf at this point. To go on and tarnish Ralph Rentnick for being a coach that nobody knows about, um, dude, that's not your call to say. That's the call the club needed to make. And no player should ever feel like they are 10 times bigger than the club and its fan base. And that is the problem that Cristiano Ronaldo is having right now. I agree that, you know, he should have his grievances with how United dealt with him personally while his daughter was sick. And during that time, we don't know the other side of the story. We don't know the other end. We don't know what he reported to United. So in that in that aspect, I'm believing in him being honest. But then the rest of all of this, dude, you've lost your mind. You've lost your marbles. And during the summer window, you yourself came out publicly after the first week of Arrington Hug being announced as the club manager and director of this team. Okay. You yourself came out publicly. You were the first person that Arrington Hug made an appointment with to sit down and go over the club's plan. You can't sit there and tell me that Arrington Hogg does not respect you when you have shown no respect towards the guy's plan, no towards the guy's ideas, no towards how he wants to lead this club. You have shown absolutely nothing. And this is an actual manager. And let's let's also bring out the facts. Ronaldo talks about having managers in his career, but out of the whole entire career, Ronaldo has only had two legitimate managers. So Alex Ferguson was not a club manager before he was hired into, into United. Carlo Ancelotti was never a manager before until he got hired onto Real Madrid. So 
the two real managers that he's had in his whole entire life were Jose Mourinho and Mauricio Sarri. But Mauricio Sarri was a, was at at the world's worst fucking spot available, which was Juventus. It was a it was a hill falling down on, on everybody, and nobody was available to pick up the rocks. So for Ronaldo to just sit there and criticize Ten Hag, say that I have no respect for the guy, and let's not even forget the fact that Ten Hag could have really just been like, dude, you're out of the club for walking out on me when I needed you, and I needed you to go on a sub, as a sub during a very difficult game like it was for Tottenham. You walked out on that on that on that game. You've walked out during the preseason as well, two times, <clears throat> and both times Ten Hag forgave you. Ten Hag gave you the opportunity to be the captain on the team on a day that he needed you. And this is how you turn it around to go ahead and just talk smack about a coach that you just don't agree with because he's got a firm hand and wants to be on top of his plan and wants his plans to be respected, wants to take full accountability that if his plan doesn't work, it's his whole entire failure and nobody else's. Dude, either you're fucking stupid and and delusional or you have lost your fucking marbles. But at this point, you're 37 years old, a professional of the game, a highly regarded and respected legend, and this is the way you want to go out? You're fucked. You're just as fucked as Zinedine Zidane ending his career, walking out on the World Cup through a red card and facing his back to the most respected trophy in the world. It's just, it's it's fucking ridiculous. Fucking ridiculous. I I look at my Ronaldo Manchester United jersey and, and I don't know what to do with it. I don't know if I want to return it. I don't, want, I don't know if I want to donate it. I don't know if I want to keep it. I don't know if I want to still look at it or wear it i i don't know i i'm flabbergasted through the whole entire process man this this has been ridiculous and i don't think that it would be right to keep him past january i think he has got to go he probably just played his very last game for manchester united at this point <clears throat> i would i would i would agree um that he goes on to talk about rooney and Gary Neville, like, dude, these are people that have retired off the game. What are you doing paying attention to them? It's just, it's bad. It's real bad. Real, real bad. This is, uh, like you put it, you know, you didn't see Lionel Messi bash Barcelona with how they let him go. And the Lionel Messi is story ending at uh, Barcelona, something that's still being talked about today. But you don't see Messi turn around, going to talk to Tucker Carlson, and be like, "Oh yeah, Barcelona fucked me up." You don't see that happening. It's just it, it's bad, real it's bad. Cra- it's it's crazy, man. It's real I'm... bad. I I just <clears throat> absolutely crazy, man. I I just I I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I. I'm. I've seen this club go through a lot. I've turned my back on some managers, Mourinho, 
Oligon and Salkshire. But to realize what this guy is doing at this point in, in time, where United finally seem to be somewhat together and have an actual development plan happening in place, and where you just need your legend to be part of it, it's it's bad. It's bad. Right. <clears throat> um, but any final thoughts from, from, from your end? No, I think you hit it perfectly on the head there. Uh, I just don't want to continue more about it because I'm actually excited <laughs> about the World Cup. And yeah, I really hope yeah. that the last game of the World Cup is Argentina versus versus Portugal. And I hope to God oh, that it doesn't oh, come oh, down oh, to Ronaldo oh. fucking up. Ronaldo missing a pen and Messi drills the game winner. Oh, my God. If that happens, dude, us Colombians have a saying that translates into English, basically saying that the tongue can be the biggest whip to your ass. <laughs> that would be exactly that. That would be exactly that. That'd be crazy. <clears throat> but anyways, um, let, let's go into World Cup. I, I, this <laughs> this puts me in, in such a sour mood that I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> and I love it, man. I, I, I my, it. my last comment is this. Hearing legends from other clubs around the world being just as angry as us Manchester United fans are about this should probably ring something in his head. And he has still yet to pull it, to even try to make an apology statement. Right. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I don't fucking get it. I don't get it, man. And that's the club that his kid just fucking signed a lifetime contract for. Yeah, that's uh So not only are you bashing the club, but you're bashing your child as well. Right. Fucking shame. <clears throat> Anyways. I don't know, man. Lead lead us lead us onto something else, man, because if I continue, I, I I'm ready <laughs> to punch the walls. All right, let's dive into the World Cup. All right, let's do it. World Cup schedule twenty twenty two. First, we're going to go over just a couple things here. Nothing crazy. Uh, the first matchup we have is obviously the host, Qatar, going up against Ecuador. What do you have for this game here? What do you have for a score? I got Ecuador taking the first, uh, the very first uh, game here. I'm going 2-1, to one, Ecuador. See, I was going similar to you here. I think <coughs> for me, I think Ecuador is a, a good team. Personally, I just don't think Qatar is going to get the goal in this game. I think Ecuador is going to win 2 to nothing. 2 nothing. Okay. All right. I like it. All right. Next, we have England and Iran. I got England winning this one in a shout-out win, 3 three nothing. Uh, I also have England winning three nothing here. I don't think Iran is, <laughs> starts. <laughs> I don't think Iran is going to have enough firepower to hang with this English uh, juggernaut. By the way, offline we got to talk about making an appointment, the two of us, to go watch a World Cup game. Maybe get a little bit lit up of some booze in Boston and uh, have a grand old time. Yeah, no, we'll have to figure something out. Uh, let's see, what's the next game? Next game I have is oh no, that's the wrong. 
It's the wrong one. Excuse me. One second. World Cup. There it is. Uh, it is the Netherlands and Senegal. What do you got? <clears throat> this one's a we we've talked about this game quite often, and I think we both have circled it in the calendar as a as a very good game to watch. Um, I got this one in a close victory for Netherlands, two to one. See, I think it's gonna be a lot closer than that. I I think I like Sen- it. Yeah, I I think that Senegal is gonna play them a lot tougher. I think the Dutch are gonna have a very 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 tough time getting something going against the Senegal team. However, I do think that they are the better team. I think they finish on top. I, I like the Netherlands to win one nothing here. one nothing. okay. All right, next we have uh U.S. and Wales. What do you got? I got this one in a 1-1 draw. I don't see anything that drives the other team forward ahead of their competition. Um, And this, this is a draw for me. I don't, I don't know what Son you think. Son of a bitch. I thought I I thought you were gonna be the one that was all about the home team. You're gonna, be, you're gonna give a speech on how U.S. is gonna beat Wales, upset, shock the world early. No, no, no. no. I'm right there with you, bud. I got, I've, uh, I've been I have a one-one draw. I've been saying for the past three episodes, and you can quote me on any of those episodes that I think the USA's biggest downfall is that they don't have the right manager to lead this team forward. Yeah, no, I could for sure see that. All right. Um, Which I might be going to uh, Royale in Boston to watch USA versus England. So just for anybody out there that wants to reach out via Twitter or Instagram or whatever, let me know. I will be in the <coughs> in the wonderful state of uh, Louisiana for that one. Oh, I hate that. That'll be fun. All right. Next game I have here. It is Argentina and Saudi Arabia. I see this as the as the first big win of the whole tournament. Argentina four, Saudi Arabia zero. You got them four zero. I got them mm-hmm. three zero. I think Argentina gets too early. They get one in the second half. I like them to win three nothing. Okay. All right, Denmark and Tunisia. Two zero Denmark. Two zero. Uh-huh. I have Den- I have Denmark. Two to one. I think Tunisia's gonna play them tough. But I think Denmark at the end of the day comes out on top. So what do you got? One nothing, Denmark? I have two one. Two one Denmark. Okay. Next one, uh Mexico and Poland. This is a, a competitive game for the World Cup. Very good um scheduled opportunity for World Cup aficionados. Three to two Mexico. Ooh. I got a 2-2 draw. Okay. You said Mexico 3-2, right? Yeah. I thought I heard you correctly. Last one, France and Australia. I don't see anything that might tickle France's fancy against Australia. Uh, I'm going 4-1 to France. Wow. You and I might have to have a conversation then. I know... Davies a, and, and a couple others are in Australia, but I just don't see much for Australia, man. I got Australia upset in here 2 1. Oh, okay. I think I, Fran- I, I will hope to see that. I think France is going to be banged up early, and I think it's going to cost them. I think this Australia team is going to catch them by surprise. I think they sneak out a 2 1 victory. Okay. All right. That's what I think. 
That's All right, so that's so that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in a span of three days. It's what crazy. else can you ask for as a World Cup aficionado? This is amazing. I just want to I want to talk to um the, I want to talk to FIFA because these times are are not it. Yo, seriously though, like these are like these these are crazy hours, man. Not uh, not above this. No, right me now. either. Won't lie, won't lie to you. Not a fan. All right, any other things you wanted to discuss? Um, there is one more thing I do want to discuss. Um, <laughs> how do we feel about day one for this World Cup? I feel like there's a lot of controversies happening. I feel like there's a lot of issues. A bound to happen with this World Cup. One of them being a lot of protests happening, especially with certain countries being invited to the World Cup, like Iran and um and a couple others. What are your thoughts? Are the players? Uh, I, I guess my better question is this: Could there be a potential scenario where player safety is a high concern? I hope not. Okay. I I I strong I strongly hope not, but you know it's it's one of those we'll have to wait and see I guess. I agree. I mean, I I don't have the warm and fuzzies over the host of this World Cup. To be honest with you, um, I feel like this World Cup should have been shifted to another nation, regardless of how much of a mistake it was. Um. I don't know. I I hope Qatar proves the world wrong. I really do. Me too. But this is the uh, one opportunity in a big scale that they can finally do so. So. Me too, but I won't. I won't get my hopes up. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the last thing you you had for me? That is the last thing I have for you, sir. What else do you have for us? I don't got anything. I'm a man. Well, with that being said, episode four, season two concludes here for all of you just tuning in for the first time to yellow card podcast make sure that you're following us on twitter at podcast card that is our twitter's handle um make sure that you're following us on tiktok at yellow card pod youtube spotify channels just type in yellow card podcast you'll be able to find us there make sure you look you look us up by the logo blue background yellow um yellow lettering um Without further ado, Chris Jones, Diego DJ signing off. Until next week, thank you all so much. Stay tuned. A lot of content coming through. Stay tuned. Peace.